for some reason, when I start to pray, I get super loud. But <laughs> anyway, thanks, Terry. It was what a great trip that was, and to be part of that whole Awaken the Dawn. Um, the original Awaken the Dawn was at the fall of 2017, and they called all 50 states to have a tent on the Washington Mall. And so from that that time there on the Washington Mall, there's this prayer and worship going on. It was through the Feast of Tabernacles for three days, prayer and worship, prayer and worship, prayer and worship. And Lou Engel and Heidi Baker and all those guys were there having services at night. But this, we took the midnight to 4 a.m. My team did the 4 a.m. grouping. And if, when we were first approached by, they said, oh, we don't need to pray overnight. I was like, are you kidding me? I don't know if you guys know this, but the most demonic time is from 10 p.m. to to 3 a.m. There's more deaths during that time frame. There's more demonic activity that goes on than any other time of the day. And so we're like, we're going to take that. So anyway, during the midst of all of this, this guy, his name was Brian Francis Hume. He was one of the prophets for Awaken the Dawn, and he went from tent to tent. We were like the third tent he came to. It was probably about 2 in the morning. And he came, and he just began to, he prophesied over all the leaders individually and for whatever reason, all the other tents were shutting down and coming to the Nebraska tent. It was so fun. We had people from Minnesota, people from Wisconsin, people from Iowa, and we were just all worshiping and praying together. It was about, like I said, about 2 in the morning. And I am not a night. I'm like, I'm a morning person, but 4 a.m. is my time frame, not 2 a.m. So that's when I'm sleeping. But uh, So this guy comes, and he starts to prophesy over each one individually. And I don't know how much you guys get into prophetic words and stuff here, but when somebody prophesies to you and they're, they are so reading your mail and right on and then he goes down the line and down the line and down the line and I know all these people, I'm thinking, I think I need to listen to this guy. And so he says, I got a word for, I have two words for Nebraska. I'm like, I better write it down. He's like, no, no, you don't need to write it down. I said, no, no, I'll forget. He says, no, you don't need to write it down. I said, okay. And so um, the first one was, uh, have you guys seen that uh, flag appeal to heaven? It's the original, what they would call the original American flag. It's the white flag with the green tree on it, and it says appeal to heaven. It was George Washington had uh, flown that over, over one of his uh, ships in, the, in, the, in the, one of the Revolutionary War, and it was calling upon the people to appeal to heaven, to pray and invite God to win this battle, and that's really what that was about. He said, I see the appeal to heaven flag flying over Nebraska, and he said, secondly, he said, I hear the words holy, 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 and he said there's just to be a three-day convocation uh, uh, declaring holy across the state of Nebraska. And so um, we, that we started where the, the, the Platte River comes into Nebraska, and we just followed it all along the state, again, making prophetic declarations and, and, and all of that. And so what, a, what an incredible time. The, and then there was the actual Awaken the Dawn at the, um, at the state capitol in Lincoln. I believe it was, again, it was over Feast of Ta- Tabernacles. I think it was early October this year. Again, we'll be doing the same thing in the state capitol, but um, over the Feast of Tabernacles this year, but we're really looking for college campuses and places and really to get the church to start praying even before this happens in the fall to come together and cross denominational lines. It's really, it's about, it is about revival in America is what all that is about. So um, I'm just going to invite the Lord uh, just as I begin here. I, I, I really don't ever want people to hear what I have to say. I pray that I just I just want Holy Spirit to come and just be loosed in this place. Lord, we just surrender all to you here, even right now. God, I pray that every word spoken would be your words. God, I stand in total surrender to you at this moment, that every word that I speak would be surrendered to you, and I pray every word that's heard 
God comes through the comes through the filter of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we know that you are our teacher, and I pray that you would come and teach on prayer today. You would come and lead us to a deeper place of communion with the Father. God, we love you so much, and we just bless you and yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have those notes on the prayer teaching. That actually was, that's part of something we teach at Good News Church back in Omaha. It was originally, uh, um, it's seven sessions. It was originally about 14 because we, but we took, we, we made it into two separate teachings. So I brought just the first half. The second half that we don't have today is about spiritual authority, spiritual warfare, um, governmental authority. Maybe sometime we'll come back and go teach on that kind of stuff. I'm going to share just a couple of my recent favorite books that I, um, obviously the Word of God is my favorite book. And I, I, one of the things I love to do is pray scripture because you're praying in full agreement with the Lord. And so when you, when you pray scripture, and, I, and I'll just talk about that in a few minutes, um, and I, I would love to get to every note on these, on these pages, and I am, I'll just be honest and tell you who I am. I am not real good at following notes. I might, I might go on a tangent if the Lord sends me that direction. So, but anyway, this is, it's called Praying with Authority by Barbara Potts, one of my favorite books on prayer. I've led several missions teams, and I always want people to read this before we go on a trip. I want people to understand their spiritual authority. When you get away from home, and uh, there, there's an awareness of the spiritual realm that we need. We need it at home, too. But it's, it's something that just, I feel like it's, it's really good for everyone to know. It really, it really talks about governmental authority, spiritual warfare, um, and that kind of thing. Because the government will, shall be upon his shoulders, and doesn't he carry us like a lamb upon his shoulder? So anyway, just really establishing that whole ecclesia, us as the church, that governing and ruling and reigning in power. That's a great book on that. Also, Growing in Prayer by Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle's not too creative with his book titles. He's got Growing in Prophetic, Growing in Prayer. <laughs> anyway, love the guy. He, he runs um, uh, the IHOP um, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I think they've been up and running for about 21, 22 years of 24-7 prayer and worship that goes on there. One of the first stories he tells in this book was uh, he was a young man. He was a freshman in college, and he told his, his college leader that he said, you know, I, I want to go deeper with God. And his, his, his uh, mentor told him, then you have to learn to pray. And so he said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to one hour of prayer a day, every day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to commit to one hour of prayer a day. And he said, so he started this, and he would call it the hour of death. He says, he'd tell all of his, his college roommates, I'm going to the, my hour of death now, because he would go, because it was a duty. There was no delight. There was no there was no passion. There was no relationship. He'd go, he said he would go in, and he'd pray, and he'd say, God, I want to make the football team, and I want the prettiest girl as my wife, and I want to make touchdowns, and I want to get good grades. And he said he had another 58 minutes to go by the time he was done praying. But this is where God has taken him. And I, I, I say that to say I could say I was probably that same person where I, I couldn't find myself but praying, you know, maybe three to five minutes a day, and that would include my time of praying over my meals. And then to where once you get a taste of really what it is to tap into relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of prayer, it's a whole different thing. It doesn't become, oh, my goodness, i got to pray. No, it's I can't wait to get back to the secret place. I can't wait to engage. And, and it's really just staying in that constant relationship, that constant place with the Lord. I want to start, and this is not in the notes, and Lord, Lord willing, I will get back to the notes. But um, uh, Luke 11, 1, this is something that's kind of provoked me in the last several mo months. Luke 11, 1, it's just one verse I'm going to read. Um, now it came to pass as he was praying 
and that he is Jesus in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. People want to know how to pray and they're watching you. And that's what these disciples did with Jesus. They, they saw these miraculous signs and wonders that he was doing. He was casting out demons. He was healing, healing the sick. He was, um, he was taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000. And they knew that he was having this real communion with God the Father. And they're like, I want what he has. And I believe that prayer is the secret to that. And they were right. They didn't say, Jesus, would you teach us to cast out demons? D Jesus, would you teach us to preach? They said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And if, if the church, and I said it this morning, if the church could really tap into the power that we have in prayer, I think we haven't, we've always relegated it to the, the older women that are down in the basement of the church, and, and we, we don't really embrace it as this is, this is our opportunity. This is, this is that place of where I can really know God. And when we know God, we, we, we know his will, his ways, we hear his voice, and then we can begin to speak it back. I was... Um, it was about 21 years ago when I was invited into that prayer room. Before that, I was leading women's ministry. I was a chaplain with Marketplace Chaplains, you know, doing kids' ministry. really felt like I was, you know, really pursuing ministry. I felt like God was calling me to some kind of women's ministry. And I started leading our women's ministry. I, could, I was Glad Tidings at the time. We had a name change in January of last year. So I'm still, I might call it good news, and I might call it Glad Tidings. So anyway, I... We, we ended up with a new lead pastor, and uh, and I was, and I had gotten put over prayer at that time frame, very minimal thing that was going on. We had, we had about six or eight people on a prayer team, and that was it. That's all we had that was going on, and uh, our lead pastor had resigned. We had a new lead pastor that had come in, and things were things were rough. We really we really tethered some way. Uh, what word am I looking for? Um, we really had some really rough waters for about 10, 12 months. And um, the new lead pastor said, I think we need to have a spiritual emphasis. I'm like, what's a spiritual emphasis? You know, that's, that's where I was at. And, it, and I was really satisfied with my women's ministry thing and this, this six or eight people that prayed on a Sunday morning. And so what we did was we, we were going to bring in a speaker to really engage us in this new level of walking with the spirit, understanding the spirit of God and um, so what we did was we said, we're going to pray before this happens. And so we started assigning some of the, uh, the, the people that were on the staff and some of our deacons to a 6 a.m. prayer, a noon prayer, and a 6.30 p.m. prayer uh, for like three days before we started, before we had this emphasis. And this thing, this particular spiritual emphasis, it, it changed the trajectory of our church. People, people decided they got hungry. And there were words over the church in this particular we, that God wanted to wash us clean, and he wanted us to be holy as he is holy. So this whole thing goes away. It's over with. And I went to my lead pastor, and I said, we can't let this prayer thing stop. I said, you know, what are we going to do? And he said, well, let's just start praying 6 a.m. prayer on Wednesday morning, and we'll do a 6 p.m. prayer service on Wednesday night. So we did that for about, I don't know, a year and a half. And I went to him one day because I felt the call to prayer so deeply I knew that this is what God had made me for. I was leading these 6 a.m. prayer services every Wednesday um, for a year and a half. And we started winding. I, w I went to him one day and I said, and I was leading women's ministry, and the women's ministry was going amazing. 
I, I think I've taught every Beth Moore study that there is, and, and then wrote some studies on the Bride of Christ and stuff like that. So I, I did all I did was doing all that kind of stuff, but there was something about this powerful prayer, the gathering of people together, that really shifted me to a whole new place. So I went to my pastor and I said, you know, what? I can't do women's ministry anymore. God's called me to prayer, healing, and deliverance, and I just I I, I was trying to resign my position. And he said, can you just hold on? Let's see what God will do. So about four months later, it was the day after Thanksgiving. I was out of town. I got a phone call, and he said, I really believe God is calling me to make you a prayer and care pastor here at Good News. And let's when we come back from vacation, let's see what God wants to do. And so we started having these. Um, in January of 2012, we started having um, three prayer services a day. We felt like God really wanted to kick off January with a n- whole new emphasis. And um, so 6 a.m., noon, 6.30 p.m., we prayed every day. We had prayer and worship every day, uh, and the church turned out for that. And we felt like God ha- had commanded us to do the January, but if we felt like he gave us an option for February. So February of 2012, we did the same thing. Halfway through, we said, this can't stop. We knew that God was calling us to be a praying church. And from that place, and this is not about me, this is about God, and this is just about being o- obedient, saying, yes, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And so um, from that, this is eight years later, we're still doing 6 a.m., noon, and 6.30 p.m. prayer services. The only day that we take off is Christmas, Christmas Day, um, New Year's Day, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, you know, the Labor Day Memorial Day, would just just 6 a.m. those days. But from all of that, the prayer ministries exploded. I went from that team of six to I have 80 on our, pr- our intercessory prayer team now. We have about 120 um, that are coming to as altar ministers at the end of every service. When you have corporate prayer like that, people that are hurting, people from the city are drawn into places like that, and they would begin to manifest, and we didn't know what to do with that. So we started a deliverance team. Again, there's probably 40 or 50 on that team. I've taught hundreds over the across the state, Haiti, um, and other uh, other places about uh, deliverance, which is just another part of prayer, strategic prayer. And then, um, and then, then we would have people give a lot. We have prophetic words that were all over the place, and so we just really started to really refine God. How do you? We know that God still speaks to His church. Again, this is all what comes out of prayer. Uh, and that's it was so we started a prayer and prophetic ministry, which we've had opportunities all over the state to really go and minister to pastors, ministries, leaders. Again, it's all about hearing the voice of God. It's all about this partnership that I was talking about earlier today. And so God has really moved us into a different place where really we see a lot of healings. Uh, not, I shouldn't say a lot. We don't see as much as we want, but we see a significant amount. And this is all just result of just saying, yes, God, I, I'm willing and I want to, I want to, I want to be in that sacred place. I'm a, a willing vessel with you. So really, that's where all this, a lot of this teaching prayer comes out of. And I just, I'll start with this session one. We're going to jump around a little bit, but this is page one. I, I, I And I said this this morning, I believe pa- prayer is the most powerful force on earth. Prayer, it, 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 it shakes, it shakes the nations. It breaks strongholds. It raises the dead. Prayer heals the sick. We can't even imagine the depth of what things change when people actually pray. Prayer establishes God's kingdom. He said, you know, the, the kingdom is, the ki- that you recognize that the kingdom is drawn near to you. It's, we carry the very presence of God. I want to talk about hosting his presence today because it's such a huge part of prayer. Um, there's, so, there's many types of prayer that listed in scripture and, 
and I just want to say there's not one type that's different, that's better than the other. There's intercession, there's supplication, there's, um, p- yeah, petition. I, I have them all listed here, but they're probably not in your notes here. But yeah, there's so many different kinds of prayer, but there's not one that's greater or better than the other. We, ha- Like I said earlier, we have a very international church, and one of the things that you'll hear is our Africans, they're going to war like crazy. Everything's warfare, everything's warfare, everything's warfare. And then I have my Chinese over here on this side, Everything's identificational repentance. They're repenting on behalf of somebody else. And then, and then we've got our Americans here. We just want to host. We just want to soak in his presence. So not one kind is better than the other, but when you put it all together, it's such a beautiful mixture. Wh- another book I want to tell you about is called um, How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. Uh, it's one of the things about this book. It, it's really the Old Testament um, pattern, the pattern of the tabernacle of really how to enter into the holy of holies. You know, they start out with the, they start out by, with the, at the altar where the, the, the animal is slain and then they, they move in, they move to the, the labor where there's the washing and that whole washing is a picture of, um, they can see themselves in there and it's repentance and it's washing and then they move into the holy place and it, when they get inside the holy place, the table of showbread is over here um, and it, it's, it's the bread of his presence. It's, it's a very small table, and it's really just all about just intimacy with God. And then you've got over here on the, it, when you're into the holy places, you've got the candlesticks, the golden, the golden lampstands. I'm, I'm really getting off my notes, sorry. You've got the golden lampstands over here, and it, it's just symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And there, there's God's presence in the Holy Spirit. And, and so you, you're entering into this holy, holy place. It, it's it's uh, in the outer court, it's loud and noisy and it smells. But when you begin, have you ever gotten to that place of prayer and it, it's a kind of loud and chaotic and then you, then you move and all of a sudden it's just, there's this peaceful thing that comes over you. You've moved from the outer court to the inner court. And, and the, there's a lot of times in that place, so you've got the table of showbread. You're looking face to face with the Lord and you're encountering the presence of God with his Holy Spirit. And if you move forward, there's that altar of incense. And uh, the Bible talks about at the altar of incense, that's where intercession is made. True intercession where you're hearing the voice of God and you're declaring it back to him. It's, it's, um, that's really where we really need to get to that place in our, in our, whether it's corporate prayer, our own personal prayer life. Of we really get to that place, that altar of incense place. And then then there's the veil. When you look at the Old Testament tabernacle, uh, there's that veil. And uh, for years, I thought they went through the veil, but that's not true. They had to go underneath of it. It takes humility. They would put the, uh, the incense burner underneath, and they would fill it with the, uh, fr- you know, from this altar of incense. They would fill the whole atmosphere with the prayers of the saints. They would fill it with the atmosphere. They filled the atmosphere with this holy smoke, if you will, just to cover the 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 humanness of man when he would come in, you know, the, the priest, when he'd go in, he'd throw blood, you know, the blood from the sacrifice all over the altar. He'd do the smoke, and then he would have to get on his belly, bury the lowly, the humility, and to enter into the holy of holies. And I don't know, I, I pray and I believe that people in this room have encountered the holy of holies when you're actually in that place of prayer. I've encountered it a number of times, but it's that place where there's no words, there's no thoughts. It's the heavy it's the kabod, it's K K A W B O D, the kabod, the heavy glory of God that comes upon you. You can't look, you can't think, you can't do anything, but you feel the weightiness of His presence. 
know, when we sing things, show me your glory, that's what we're asking for, the, the weightiness, the heaviness, the glory of God to rest upon us. And so um, I had an encounter like that, the first time I'd ever had an encounter. It was, it was almost that same time frame where we were, you know, shifting pastors, things were really rough at the church, and we just decided, uh, several of us ladies, we're going to start coming and we're going to start praying during the day. We were praying 6 a.m., we were praying it, you know, on, on some of these days, but on Wednesdays, but we just began to worship and pray and worship and pray, and next thing I know, I, I was laying there and I was looking up and all I could see, and the lights were on, but I couldn't see the lights. All I could see was this thick cloud of glory, and I, I w- it was the heaviness of God resting upon me. It, it's one of those times in prayer. There's such deep places that we can go in prayer, and I, I hope that this will whet your appetite today to want to get there, because that, that's the deep revelation of God, knowing God face to face. It's it's entering into that most holy place with the Lord. And there's people that say, oh, that, that's not even possible today. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ tore the veil, and he's made that possible for us to go into the holy of holies. And I believe that the Lord, he's calling for spiritual intimacy. I'm sorry, I'm not even to my notes yet. He's calling us for such a place of spiritual intimacy, and we have to get there. We have to know him. Really, spiritual intimacy, intimacy is that deepest place of knowing God. It's the deepest place of worship and prayer. It's the sharing of secrets and, and longings back and forth one with another. And so it, it's one of those things that we don't talk about so much in the church. We, we want to relegate that to, oh, it's the secret stuff back here we're not going to talk about. But when we really understand the depth of God and the power of God and the knowing, the, w- the ways that we can really know him and partner with him and, and, and have that conversation back and forth, that's when that prophetic um, utterances come. That's when p- the power comes. That's when you know God wants you to lay hands on someone. I mean, there's, th- there's any, th- we know it anyway, but there's that deep pressure, that deep push from the Lord to release, release his glory into a situation. So, okay, that was the second, that was the second paragraph on my notes. We haven't gotten to your notes yet, but um, just about really the pattern, the Old Testament pattern of the tabernacle and how worship, how to really enter into that new and holy place with the Lord. Uh, Zach Neese, N-E-E-S-E, I believe. I think he, I believe he was a, a worship leader for Robert Morris at uh, Gateway Church in Texas. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's who he was. Uh, that's who he is. Let me see. Uh, let's read Mark eleven twenty two through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, this is again the power of prayer. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray, any, you can pray for anything and, you, and if you believe that you will, you will receive it. If you, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against that the Father in heaven will also forgive you. just want to start right there because so many times we want to just rush into prayer and we want to just rush into asking and we just rush, want to rush into, you know, all of that. But God is saying, search yourself. Before you really engage in anything, there's that spirit of repentance. There's that making sure that I'm clean before the Lord. I'm going to tell you, unforgiveness is one of the biggest things. I'm a pastor. I, I meet with people. I probably meet with six or seven people a week and do just do some spiritual guidance with them. One of the biggest things that I run into that we minister a lot, and even when we do deliverance ministries, the place that we start 
is unforgiveness. Is there any unforgiveness? Are you holding any grudges against anyone or anything? If we want to see answers to prayer, we're going to, if we get to it, there's hindrances to prayer, but unforgiveness, God wants us to have a clean heart. He wants us to enter into engagement with him. That's how we see answers to prayer. That's how we see healing. Even in that, that James chapter 5 verse that I read today, says if there's any if you have anything to confess, confess it. Let's get it out. Let's get it all out in the open, and let's, let's repent of this. So the, because the enemy will use things against you. And so when we have unrepented sin in our lives, God can't answer our prayer. So that, that's a, one of the first places to start. The second thing I see in this, this verse here is uh, it also talks about holding grudges, holding grudges, unforgiveness, all of that. There's many times we don't even realize. We always say, well, you know what? I'll just, I, I pray for that person. I'm good. You know what? This is how we coach people to in forgiveness. We say, I, I would say, you know, maybe Terry's had a problem with her mother. And so I'd say, Terry, why don't you just make a declaration that I choose to forgive my mother? And she would, she would repeat out loud, say, I choose to forgive my mother. I choose to forgive my mother for all the hateful things she did to me. I choose to forgive my mother for rejecting me. I f- choose to forgive my mother for how I felt neglected on the inside and how I felt shame when she did A, B, C, D. It, it, forgiveness is such a big deal. So we really need to make sure that our hearts are pure and clean when we go before the throne. This is, God is holy. He's holy and he wants us to be holy as he is holy. So as we enter in, as we press in, as we start that prayer, it's always, that's why it's always so good to begin with searching our hearts, cleansing ourselves. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Also, another um, hindrance to prayer, it just as you're beginning is, I don't, we, I, and I used to do this and I don't do it anymore. I just throw it, well, God, it's up to you, you know. I don't know if you really can do this or not. It, get the doubt and the unbelief out of the way. We, that's, those are hindrances to prayer. James says you're like a wave tossed to and fro. You're, like a, you're double-minded, and, and you're unstable in all of your ways. We need to be very resolute that there's, if I'm going to pray it, I'm going to believe that God can do it. When we, when we start being double-minded, when, we, when you start your prayer with, well, God, I don't know if you can do this or not, I believe that there's nothing that God can't do. I've seen, and, and put him to the, he wants us to ask him for the large things. He doesn't want us to ask him just for, well, God, can you help fix my cold? No, he wants to heal cancer. He wants to bring families back to restoration. He wants to heal nations. He wants every tribe and tongue and nation to be, to, to know him and to worship him. And so just, just, just as we're beginning to start there, just we, that's where we want to always start in our prayer. That's, that's why we, if you look back to the tabernacle, there's some crucifying, there's some slaying of some things that have to happen. First, the animal was killed first. There's, there's some things that we may have to lay down on the altar. We may have to lay our gift down on the altar because we have unforgiveness. We have to let things go up front, and then we have to wash in the water of the word next. Um, I just want to go through some of this. Prayer is speaking to God. It's speaking to God in full agreement, in full partnership about his will his, and his ways. It, and it's us hearing what he's saying and speaking it back to him in full agreement and conversation. Prayer is not just talking, but it's talking and listening. So many times we get, we get so busy, God, I need, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and okay, I'm done, I'm out of here. But he wants, us to sit, he wants to have conversation. And when you really begin to get the slate clean, believe that he can do anything, and say, Say, God, I, I want to I partner with you. I want to be in agreement with what your word says. If your word says that by his stripes I am healed, then I'm going to be in agreement with that. If your word says 
that as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, that I'm going to be in agreement with that. If, my, if your word says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory, I'm going to be in agreement with that, even though my bank account says that I don't have anything in it. You know, it's, it's about being in that agreement with the Lord. It's listening back for what is on his heart and his mind. Prayer, prayer is really bringing heaven to earth. We, we pray, you know, that prayer from uh, Matthew chapter 6. It says, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, there's no sickness in heaven. There, you see that in uh, Revelation 21. There's no disease in heaven. There's no, uh, so if we're inviting the kingdom of heaven to earth, we're inviting how things should come to earth, you know, what, what's available in heaven to earth. Let's see, did I miss anything there? Uh, it's bringing heaven to earth. It's bringing the glories, the resources, the pleasures, the treasures, the power, the ideas, the plans, and all the purposes of God um, to earth. Prayer is communion with God. It's talking to him and not talking about him. Sometimes we get caught. You, we're not really into any notes yet. So if you're looking on your notes thinking, where on earth is she at? I'm not there yet. Sorry. So it, it, and so, um, but it's, it's really, it's having that two-way conversation and like I said earlier, communion is to share the deepest thoughts and longings and feelings with one another, uh, with, with God. It, it, um, that when I talk about partnership with God, it's really, like I had said earlier, there is, in prayer, there's a partnership with God. I'm going to talk about more of this later, but I just have a little note written here. That partnership with God is, it's all about, I'm in agreement with him. I'm going to co-labor with him. I'm going to, he's, he's asking me to do this, and I'm going to do my part in all of this. You know, sometimes we stand back and wonder, well, why didn't things happen? God's, he's supposed to be supreme. He's supposed to, he's, he's supposed to be all-knowing. But if you read Genesis, start going through Genesis, God gave us dominion to rule the earth, to subdue the earth. He said, subdue the earth and take dominion. Over and over, he gives us authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Jesus said, um, behold, all authority has been given to me, and I, and I say, go. We're, if he's the head, we're the body. The head and the body have the same authority. He's releasing all of these things to be done in the earth for us to do them. It, it's that partnership that I'm talking about. Am I losing anybody? We good? Okay. The Bible uses the word prayer over 300 times. That's pray, prayer, praying over 300 times. That's not, that's not words like ask, seek, call upon, desire, anything like that. The, the, the prayer is so important to God. I mean, it's one of the words that's used the most in Scripture. And so we, it, that's, we can't even just imagine the importance of prayer that we have with the Lord, how much he wants us to have that relationship with him. You're probably not going to hear this in a lot of prayer teachings. It's prayer from personal relationship. I think sometimes we, we pray like we're sitting in the back row of the balcony of a church instead of that I'm sitting face-to-face -face with him. And God is calling us to that close, intimate, face-to-face -face relationship with him. Just like I had mentioned, coming into that holy of holies, the weighty kabod of the Lord. And he's looking at... He, he calls it that whole deep calls unto deep. There's a deep place in God that's calling that deep place of you to come and have communion, come and have relationship with me, come and have conversation with me. That's when you that's when you get to that successful prayer life. When you have that personal relationship in prayer, 
or I can tell God anything and he can tell me anything back. And we see that in Elijah this morning. God could say, go to King Ahab and tell him, tell him that it's not going to rain. Go to King, King Ahab and tell him it's because you have worshipped idols. You know, it, it's all of that. And it's that kind of, I can, I can ask anything of you and you're going to obey me in prayer and you're going to follow after me. That's deep relationship. I'm just going to read my note here because it's probably much better than what I'm relaying. Deep calls unto deep. To have an intimate, powerful, and successful prayer life, it begins with your relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father desires relationship. From Genesis to Revelation, the constant theme of God wanting relationship with those who have made him in his image and likeness. There's that constant um, desire. He wants relationship with those he has made for himself. That is why Jesus went to the cross to be the perfect permanent payment for our sins so that we could have that deep and abiding relationship with our Holy Father. That relationship is developed through prayer. I wish I could say there's other ways we develop relationship with God, but how do we develop relationship with a friend? I spend time with you. I sat across from her at lunch. I know she's from Alabama. I've started building a relationship with her. I'm getting to know her. I know that she's She's on a low-carb diet. <laughs> so am I. You know, I mean, we're, we're starting to build relationship here, and that's what it is with the Lord. I, won't, I can't know Jesus if I'm not spending time with him. And it's, it, again, it's, 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 it's me talking to him, and then it's me waiting and listening in response. Way back in the early, when Jesus' time frame, the, I'm going to talk about the Jewish bridal custom. The bride and the groom, they'd become betrothed to one another. They would, it, was an un, it was an official engagement. It, was, it would take an act of divorce to break off this engagement. And what, what would happen is the bridegroom, the bridegroom-to-be, he would go to his father's house, and he would build an addition. This is John 14.1, if you catch picking up what I'm putting down. He's going to go up to prepare a place for his bride. He's going he's gonna to make it beautiful, and he's going to make it wonderful. And while his bride is, while he's doing that, then the bride is back home, and she's studying about the bridegroom. She's getting to know everything about the bridegroom. She's getting to know all of his likes and all of his dislikes. Now, they didn't have a courtship like we would have today where they go out on dates and they talk on the phone and all of that. The only way that they could communicate with one another, they would, they would get engaged or betrothed. They'd have a beautiful ceremony. He would go his way, she would go her way. He'd leave her with some kind of, he would leave her with a gift, a really extravagant gift generally. But the only way that they could communicate with one another would be a friend of the bridegroom. It would be a friend of the groom. He would go back and forth. He would, he would talk to the bride. Okay, you want to know this about what your husband's doing? You want to know if the house is about ready? And then he would go back over here and he would talk to the bridegroom and say, hey, how's the house coming? How, do, how soon do you think it's going to be before it's finished? Well, it's almost done, but you can tell her that only the dad knows, only the father knows when the, this thing's going to be finished. He's the one who makes the decision. Then he would go back over here. Picture of the Holy Spirit. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. When, when Jewish people read John 14, they get an understanding that bride and the bridegroom, the bride is that intimate place with the Lord where we don't, we're not, we're not the Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. We're the beloved bride face to face with him. All throughout scripture, the Lord is showing us that he's returning for a bride. But that picture of the, the friend of the bridegroom going back and forth is Holy Spirit. And so when we begin to pray, we engage Holy Spirit. 
And, and when we, he's the friend of the bridegroom, and he's the one I'm communing with. He's the one I'm having relationship with. And he's the one that is, he, he has got one ear in heaven, and he's telling me what's going on in heaven, and he's telling me what I need to do. That's why we need this personal relationship. We need the personal, we need a personal relationship with Holy Spirit, really, when we begin in prayer. Sorry, i got to take my shoes off. I'm getting warm, and my toes are getting pinched. So, but it just, just another whole aspect of prayer that we could go to. Um, prayer, uh, relationship in prayer is probably one of the most important, it's probably to me the one of the most partin- important parts of this teaching. And I want to go to 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And I'm going to read that from the New King James. I, I'm a person, I love to read from different translations, but I'm going to stick with some New King James. I'll do New King James and, um, and the message translation today. Um, the New King James, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. That communion of the Holy Spirit. Um, let me read it in the message translation. Hope you don't get offended by the message translation. Some people get undone if you use the passion of the message. But for me, it's just good. It's good to explain the scripture. It's, I don't live by it. I just like to use it. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of Holy Spirit be with you. That's what God is looking for, that communion of Holy Spirit, that intimate friendship of Holy Spirit. This, this, this verse describes our finest attributes of God. It, it says he's the amazing grace, the extravagant love, the intimate friendship. It talk, talks about communion. It describes um, just really our holy communi- communion with the Holy Spirit. That word communion there, does anybody know what the Greek word for that is? Y'all study Greek here. You, you might be surprised because you probably know it as something else. Koinonia. Koinonia. It's fellowship. Um, and let me read the definition because fellowship, we always use it for the word fellowship, but there's so, it's such, so much deeper than that. So if you, if you just go back to that verse, the love of God and the communion with Holy Spirit, it's the fellowship with Holy Spirit. It's the com- companionship with Holy Spirit. It's the communication with Holy Spirit. It's the intimacy with Holy Spirit. It's the sharing together with Holy Spirit. It's the social intercourse with Holy Spirit. It's the partnership with Holy Spirit. It's the joint participation with Holy Spirit, and it's the close mutual association. It means so much more than, hey, we're just going to hang out and have bread together. It is, it's, it's really, it's deep. It's really, when you read scriptures like that, it's just so good to get down to the depth of it. That's why I'm saying it's so important in prayer for that deep communion with God. I'm just going to break out with communion, partnership, and intimacy. Uh, this, again, go from that definition of koinonia. Communion, again, is to share our deepest thoughts, longings, and feelings with one another. Again, it's two-way conversation. It's the deep. Um, we must take it deeper than partaking of a wafer and juice. It's I'm partaking of him. I'm taking him in. I'm having face-to-face conversation. So the next time you take communion here, at the church, it, there's an examining of myself, but I'm partaking of him. I'm having deep fellowship with him. I'm having relationship with him. Um, then the, the next word I want to go through out of that definition. I don't know, was that definition in your notes, the koinonia? Was that in there? Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I, my ministry assistant, she put the notes together for me, so she might have erased quite a bit out of there. Um, let's see, fellowship. That um, that word fellowship, it's friends sharing together. It's you as friends with Holy Spirit sharing together. 
It's to talk to each other. It's to stay aware of what each other, what's going on in each other's lives. It's again, it's having conversation with Holy Spirit. We see this so often in the book of Acts that they continually had a conversation with Holy Spirit over and over. I'll give you some uh, Acts two, uh, 20, you see it in Acts 20 and Acts 16. Um, that's the ones I have written down here. Then there's the partnership. Partnership with Holy Spirit. When I've been talking about partnership a lot. It's partners, it's companions, it's fellow workers. It has the idea of working together to get the job or mission accomplished. It's really like locking arms with the Lord. When you're in prayer, when you're in that fellowship of the Holy Spirit, when you're in that communion of the Holy Spirit, you're in partnership, you're locking arms. You're pr- as your prayer goes up, you are partnering with the Lord. You're locking arms with the Lord to, to see the mission accomplished, to see what he wants done. And then um, 1 Corinthians 3.9, it's a new, in New King James, we labor together with God. We, there is a laboring that we do together. Uh, intimacy can only be developed through, d- through fellowship and relationship. Intimacy goes into deep thoughts and secrets and desires. I, I brought that up a couple times. Intimacy is the deepest level of fellowship. Um, there is nothing hidden from him. His knowledge, his wisdom, and his understanding are limitless, and he longs to reveal those things to you. You really get to that place of spiritual intimacy again when you get move into that, the holy of holies. Prayer is the avenue of fellowship, partnership, communion, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I think you might have some fill-ins here. Prayer is the time and a place where you give your full attention to him. Prayer is where we host his presence. Prayer is where we share the intimate secrets and details of our heart. Prayer is where we listen for his voice and receive revelation. Prayer is where we develop relationship, communion, fellowship, and intimacy and partnership. I have a little note here, too. That whole partnership that I'm talking about, it really can help us when we step into a place of spiritual warfare. If I'm, if I'm in full agreement with the Lord, I'm not going to step into realms that I'm not called to step into. If I'm in full agreement and understanding and hearing the voice of the Lord, he's going to give me He's going to give me strategies and assignments that I that I know that I'm um, cleared to, if you will, to step into. Let's see what else I wrote. There is a war going on in the heavenly realm, the second heaven. Um, this earth is considered the f- the the first heaven, um, and then we know that the third heaven is the kabod, the glory, the throne room of God. And then there's that second heaven realm. It's it's the atmosphere, if you will, where the angelic and the demonic, and there's continual warfare going on there. And that's a lot of times that's where um, when we're praying, d- operating in that spiritual warfare realm. And again, that's why intimacy with the Lord is so important. When we're operating in that sec- second heaven realm and we're warfaring, our prayers are going up, we're declaring scripture, we're declaring and decreeing things. Again, that's according to scripture, according to the word of God, things that God has spoken. Uh, this is a lot of what I learned just by praying for my daughter when she was away from the Lord for such a long season, the Lord began to show me what kind of warfare was going on over her. And because, I, because of this relationship that I had really developed with him in the secret place, I began to know how to pray, get, began to know how to release. There's strategies that the Lord really wants to release to us. There's information strategies. I'm not talking about getting weird out there. I'm just talking about the availability and, and the power of prayer that we have. And again, we really tapped into all that we that's available to us. I think, I think we, heaven would come to earth in in a second. I think I just can't even imagine what we would see. There's um, let me give you a few ways to grow in your uh, relationship in prayer. And again, the first one is cultivated intimacy. 
we, we grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit and learn and depend upon him to lead us and guide us. It's, it's that ongoing, like you'd cultivate a field. You would you just keep digging in deep and you'd get all the weeds out because you want something to, you want to produce such beautiful, fruitful crops. Um, as we make a commitment to communicate with God and spend time in his presence, we are cultivating in, intimacy. And I'll just say that that doesn't come overnight. It comes by, it comes by a longing for it. It comes by... Um, sacrificing for it and I, and I don't say this this is I'm just giving you who I am I had to fight for that time with the Lord I go to 6 a.m. prayer almost every day but I, I don't want to just get up and go to prayer I have to be full before I go so I get myself up early enough that I can spend quality time with the Lord does that mean that I don't watch every tv show on the night before no it doesn't there's sometimes there's sacrifice for entering into the presence of God. There's things that I, I'm not going to stay up till 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. There's probably just garbage on TV anyway during those time frames. But I, I'm going to sacrifice those kinds of things so I can because I have to have that time with the Lord. Um, you've probably heard of the Heidi Bakers. I, I, went to a, uh, I was invited to a thing for pastors and leaders one time, and she was praying, and somebody had asked her a question. Tell us about your prayer life. And she's, and not in a boastful way, she said, I cannot do anything unless I have three to four hours of prayer every day. She said, that's where I begin. That's where I begin my day. And I'm going to tell you, that's not an impossible thing to do. It does take some yielding. It takes some sacrifice. There's times I have to say, God, would you help me get out of bed? God, I want to worship you. I want to bless you. And early, early in the morning, I'll hear the Lord begin to sing a song. You know, it'll be one of those worship songs that begin to sing over me, and I'll wake up. I, I always set my alarm, but most of the time I'm awake before then because I, I, I want to have that intimacy. I want to ha cultivate that spiritual time, that cult spiritual intimacy with him. Another thing to really learn how to, um, uh, to learn how to grow in relationship with prayer is learning how to host the presence of God. And you can read all kinds of books on that, but I'm going to tell you what hosting his presence is all about. If I'm going to have a guest come to my house, I'm going to honor them and I'm going to make them feel welcome, and I'm going to make them feel important. When the doorbell rings, I'm not going to say, hey, come on in, you know, grab a seat. I'm going to go to the door, and I'm going to say, come on in. You're welcome in this place. I'm not going to say, go to the refrigerator and grab whatever you want. I'm going to say, sit down. Here's the best place in the house. Let me give you my best right now. I prepared this for you. For that preparing for them is the worship and prayer and adoration. That, that's what hosting his presence is all about. It's kind of a buzzword in the body of Christ right now, but we can learn to host his presence. That's really getting into the glory realm. It's really getting into that holy of holies and beginning to honor his presence. When, when you begin to look, look at, when you look at the gospels from this perspective, when Jesus was walking through Samaria and Judea and Galilee and all these places, people were flocking to him and they were being healed just by being near him. There's healing in his presence. So in, in an atmosphere, when we begin to worship and pray and honor him and host him and have him be the honored guest there's healing in those places those are the th that's when you begin to see the breakthroughs in your in your prayer meetings that's when you begin to see um, healings in your prayer meetings that's when you see people delivered uh, and so really if we really understood we really need to get to that place of hosting his presence because when his presence his tangible heavy kabod weightiness of his presence comes chains are broken people are set free people are healed that that's the kind of 
That's that God wants us to know this kind of thing. I believe that the enemy, he holds up prayer so because he knows the power of it. And, and you can see that in Daniel chapter 9. The enemy holds up prayer. He, he, Daniel prayed and he prayed and Gabriel came to him and said, 21 days ago when you prayed that prayer, the answer was released, but the prince of Persia has held the answer to that prayer up. And God had to release Michael, the archangel, to go and wrestle for the answer to your prayer. The enemy wants to hold up the answers to your prayer. He understands the power of prayer way more than we do. And so when you step in, you, th- you get up in the morning and say, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that secret place this morning. I'm going to host the presence of God this morning. I'll get text messages at 4 a.m. because people know that I'm up. It, it's, but I, have to put my, I can't take my phone to the secret place with me. That secret place might just be my living room. It might just be at my first, the house we used to live in. My mother-in-law lived with us, and the only place that I could go to get away from everybody was my closet. And it was truly a prayer. It was, it was my closet. It had all my clothes, but I cleared a spot on the floor, and it, it was never comfortable. My back always hurt when I got up, but I felt the presence of God meet me in that place. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. We need to learn to host his presence. And then um, the next one would be abide in me. But then I'm going to jump over to prayer in secret. That's probably another blank to fill in. Um, we need to learn to host his presence and then abide in me. And then the next big bullet point would be prayer in secret. I want to move to that because I can't believe it's 10 to 2 already. Time flies when you have fun, doesn't it? Um, prayer in secret. I believe that this, um, let me read Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That, that secret place refers to that inner chamber. Um, and I, I would go sit in my closet. But I, I think it was Charles Spurgeon's mother, if I remember correctly. Or maybe it was John Wesley's mother. She had four or five boys. And her secret place was putting her apron over her head. She just had to block out everything. Because I, got, I have to have this time with the Lord. I know for me, I have to have that. And I can be a real grouchy person if I don't <laughs> spend time in the presence of the Lord. I just know I, I, I long for it. I hunger for it. Um, Jesus taught his, uh, taught his disciples to pray to the Father in secret. This is a very important part of growing in your relationship with prayer because it involves a secret and personal, intimate pr- relationship uh, with the Father and Son. One of the blanks there underneath prayer in the secret was pray to the Father in secret. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you. Sorry. I. Yeah. The secret place is a place that God highly esteems, and He calls us to it. And it, it and one of the things it talks about in the, about coming into the secret place, it's really shutting off every distraction around you. When I when I want to when I get up and I want to really pray and seek the face of God. Sometimes I need to leave my phone somewhere else because, like I said, people will text me at 4 in the morning. And so I love to listen to worship music, but sometimes I just have to, if I start getting all that, I just have to put it away because I don't want to be distracted. And the Bible tells us that we'll be rewarded openly for that time that we've spent in the secret place. That may not be a monetary or reward or some kind of promotion, but I believe it comes in the sp- with revelation. God begins to pour in revelation to us when we really spend that time alone with him. Um, 
when we as a believer or even a leader or a mother or a father or somebody in the community, in the workplace, a wife, a husband, when we spend that time in the secret place, it affects our families, it affects our workplace, it affects our nation, it affects our church. So it's so important that we spend that time in the secret place. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I mentioned that God will reward you openly. For me, I believe that the greatest rewards that God has released to me from that secret place is really that spirit of revelation that it talks about in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, you know, I pray that you'd receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. And I began to just really receive a lot of revelation of what's, what's God speaking, how to pray, what is on his heart for the day, what, what I'm going to encounter. I, I led a prayer meeting last Wednesday night, and I just really spent probably about an hour just worshiping and praying. I prayed before the prayer meeting, if that makes sense, you know, but I wanted to make sure that I was full, I was prepared. When I do lead prayer meetings, I, this is what I encourage my people to do is, you know, get in the secret place, get full, get so full of God, get full of his word, get full of his revelation, and then you pour out everything. You pour out everything that God has given you and then allow him to refill you. And that's what I did this last Wednesday night. I do it every week, but this time I had a little extra time. I was supposed to be with some young kids, and we had more leaders than kids. So I said, you know what, I'm going to excuse myself, and I'm just going to go pray. And the Lord began to show me that I was going to have to take some time during that prayer meeting to really call forth people to pray in the spirit, to break down some strongholds, to break down some things that were working atmospherically there. And I thought, well, you know, people get uncomfortable when you do that. I don't really want to do that. Well, guess what? Worship was going. It was nice. It was sweet. But there was not the breakthrough. But again, it's that spirit of revelation. I got up and I said, I believe that God had showed me even before this meeting, we're going to have to if we want to get to a higher level, we're going to spend some time praying in the spirit. We're going to spend some time singing in the spirit. If you, if you, if you don't pray in the spirit, let's, let's um, one, just, just say the name of Jesus and continue to say the name of Jesus until we see some kind of breakthrough here. And so we did that, and I, I feel like things went really, really well. So um, I'm going to have you jump to um, session three. Is there a pa top of the page that says session three? You should be done with session two. I, I feel like I want to get to praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. We are a Pentecostal church here, so I don't, did you guys find that? Page 12, thank you. I, I could look in the back for those pages, but so anyway. Um, I, we read in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, that when we pray in a tongue, when we pray in the spirit, it's our language to the Lord. It's our relationship with the Lord. Um, I don't know how much you guys talk about that here, but uh, there's a, another book I'm going to, I I, um, I read. I read a lot when I have time. There's a book called The Glory Within. It's by Corey Russell, highly. If there's any book you'd get out of anything I've said today, this would be the one. It really talks about the power of praying in the spirit, power of praying in tongues, because it tells you the benefits, why. And I'm going to give you a little bit of info today. One of the things that, like I said, I've been, been to India four times and Haiti twice. I don't know if anybody's been to any of those places. But the spiritual atmosphere, when the plane lands, you can feel the darkness. I mean, it's like you breathe in the darkness. It's, there's all kinds of, in, in Haiti, there's all kinds of little voodoo chants and everything everywhere. In India, there's all kinds of um, idol worship. There's just idol worship everywhere. It's, it's not like it's hidden anywhere. It's just everywhere. 
that that's their culture. It's everywhere. And so really my spiritual preparation for that, I will go, and, and I, do it, I do it almost on a routinely basis now, not just for, because I, I think we don't even understand what we're really tapping into here. Praying in tongues is something, it, it can be warfare, it can be revelatory, it can be relationship building. There's so much to that when you're, when you're praying in tongues. It builds up your inner man. So I really coach my teams that are going to go. I said, you know, start praying five minutes a day in the spirit, and then the next week pray ten minutes. And then you really get to where you can pray an hour in the spirit without, without, um, without stopping. And one of the things I encourage people to do is, like if I go to the gym, I'll be on the elliptical, I'll have the TV going in front of me, and I will pray in the spirit. I'm going to be very aware. I'm training myself to understand the atmosphere around me, but I'm praying in the spirit. I, but I'm praying, I'm having communion with God, but I'm also watching everything that's going on around me. Because when, and I believe that we're going to need this for the days to come. I don't, sorry if this is offensive to anyone, but I don't think that we're going to live in Mayberry for the rest of our lives here in America. I, I think that we have probably, the Bible, we believe as an assembly of God church that we're not going to go through the tribulation, but that doesn't mean we may not suffer some persecution or judgment. Just, just throwing it out there. And I believe that the praying in the spirit is one of those things that strengthens your inner man. And we'll get to that. Let me talk about this a little bit. The, the name of the book is called The Glory Within. The Glory Within. Um, it's by Corey Russell, C-O-R-E-Y-R-U-S-S-E-L-L. I believe that the enemy has, again, the enemy doesn't just keep us from prayer and lie about this, but he also lies about, about the praying in tongues. He says, you know, there how many people would tell you that this is demonic, it's not of God, but yet it's in the Bible. It, and it's very clear that there was transforming power after that point. Acts chapter 2, there was, there was magnificent things that happened. There were thousands saved, yes. And, and, and it spread out to all, o- all over, you know, all of these different, well, I can't even think of how many different nations were represented in Israel and Jerusalem at that time. And these, they heard their, their, they heard their, own, their own languages being spoken. A lot of people, and I believe it too, that praying in another tongue is, can be another language. It can be Russian or Chinese. Or We had a gal at our church. We were in a prayer, we were a prayer room. She's a real dear friend of mine, praying in the prayer room. And we had some new people come in one day, and she's just going on in her tongue, you know, praying. We, she, everybody leaves. We, it was kind of the end of one service going into another service. And this person that was new in there came up and said, how long have you known Chinese? She goes, I don't speak Chinese. He said, no, you spoke perfect Chinese. She says, oh, I was just praying in tongues. He said, she said, what was I saying? And she was just exalting God, blessing the name of the Lord, going on and on. And so um, there's some people that believe it's a tongue of angels. I was on a, I think I was on a, a, crew, a Hawaiian cruise one time, and there was this, this native tribe from way down in the Samoan Islands that they were, they were singing and chanting, and it sounded exactly how I pray in tongues. Thinking, I'd really like to go check that out in the Caribbean or in the in the po- Polynesian islands somewhere. But it sounded just exactly like um, what I would pray. But I, the enemy has counterfeited this. Uh, when we were in Haiti, the Haiti Haitian people were very afraid of praying in tongues because it sounded like what the voodoo priests do. And so when the missionaries came to Haiti, they said, "Oh, don't pray in tongues. Don't pray in tongues. Don't don't even don't even mention Holy Spirit." Well, you know what? That takes all. That takes. If I was down the hallway 
you know, in the in the security thing, I would be saying, that takes all my bullets out of my gun. I have nothing left. I have no tools. I have no weapons left. And so I would be, I would feel like I'm rendered powerless. I, I really believe it. Outside of the body of Christ, the name of Jesus is probably the most controversial. Nobody wants you to pray in the name of Jesus. Let's just say the word, the name God, and it can be any God. And inside of the body of Christ, Holy Spirit is very, very controversial. Um, I don't know if you guys encounter that here, but when you get into different denominational differences, there's people, well, we don't want to pray with the Pentecostals because they'll just pray in tongues, or even the Pentecostal people won't want to pray with these other people because they, they, they don't have it figured out. So anyway, we, the enemies use this as a divisive scheme against the church. Praying in tongues, we, we develop our strength, we develop revelation and power. Um, Let's see. So I'm going to read over some of the benefits of praying in tongues. I don't think that this is in your notes. You may just want to write some of this. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us a supernatural ability to pray in another language. Um, I don't think there's any of this in your notes. Uh, it, I'm going to go a little ways before I get to that. Um, uh, it, it prays in a supernatural language. It's, it's power to witness. Uh, we see that in Acts 2. They, they, just, they had this power to witness the demonstration of the Spirit's power about for the gifts of the Spirit that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, really we believe it's that first baptism of the Holy Spirit that really ignites and empowers us to do the rest of the work. Um, here, let me give you some reasons why. First of all, Paul, we, we read in the New Testament, he says, I, I pray, I wish that you all prayed in tongues more than I do. Now, why, why would he say something like that if there was not significant power attached? yes. If there was not something significant, why would he tell us? This is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. He planted m how many? Three missionary journeys. He was prisoned. He, he was imprisoned several times, left for dead. He was stoned. And yet he's saying, I wish you prayed in tongues more than I do. Because he, um, I don't know that I have it, but I can get it for you. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Paul speaks of one of the reasons to pray in this unknown language, and it, it's, it's very, very, let me see, let me back up. Let's read, I'm going to read 1 uh, Corinthians 14, and I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the result then? If I, I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. First thing he says is, if I, we have a choice. Holy Spirit doesn't just force himself on us. But that, that goes back to that place of being in agreement with the Lord, being in agreement that I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Um, my spirit prays when I'm praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues. I'm having communion and connection with the Father through the Spirit. Praying with understanding is praying with our natural mind or our natural intellect. Um, pray, um, pray both in the Spirit and understanding. Um, pray in tongues and pray with your own mind. And that's... Uh, that's when we pray, when we pray with an understanding, we, I, I know what I'm praying. I know what I'm praying. Um, there's times that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to me. The, the, when I'm leading a prayer meeting or even when I'm praying, you know, if I'm praying in the Spirit, I will hear God's audible voice speak to me and say, I'll give you an example. Pray that Donald Trump, agree with me that Donald Trump will be president. This was May of 2016. I thought, oh, my goodness, no way. I can't agree with that. You know, anyway, I began to agree with the Lord that he would be president. But initially, my mind couldn't agree with that. But, but I do see how he's God's plan. He's God's, per, you know, he's God's man for the hour. He is the Cyrus. But it's coming into that agreement. Again, I was praying in the spirit. God began to speak these kinds of things to me. Um, 
Praying in the Holy Spirit brings revelation from God for certain situations, especially when we don't know how to pray. Holy Spirit will pray perfect prayers through us that we are that are in alignment with what is perfectly on the heart of God. Prayer in the Holy Spirit can be warfare with fervency and accuracy. Um, when we want to pray with, you always want to pray with full agreement with the Holy Spirit, and that. Um, this kind of prayer is beyond what our human understanding is like. It's the prayer with groanings and utterances that come from the Spirit. And so Romans 8, 26 and 27, is that in your notes? Yeah, likewise, the, I'm reading from the New King James again, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray, pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that we cannot be uttered. It's really, again, being in that perfect agreement with the Lord. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what's on the mind of the Spirit, what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's Holy Spirit just praying through you. He's praying through He's praying perfect prayers when we don't know how to pray. When we pray in the Spirit, we're allowing Holy Spirit to pray for you. Um, this is going to be a fill-in-the-blank. Praying in the Holy Spirit builds us builds us up and strengthens your inner man. That's what needs to go in that blank. Strengthens your inner man. It builds us spiritually. Your inner man is your mind, will, and emotions. Ephesians 3.16, that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Why do we need to be strengthened in our inner man? Are you ever tempted? Do you ever want to feel like you want to lie? Do you, are you ever weak? You ever, do you always understand the spirit? Are you always aware of the spiritual atmospheres? Are you ever gr jealous or grouchy or angry? Are you trying to fast? Are you in a spiritual battle? Why do we need to strengthen our inner man? We need to strengthen our, our mind, will, and emotions. This is, again, Corey Russell in this book, The Glory Within. He'll encourage people to pray in the spirit for long periods of time. Um, I had somebody challenge me to do that. I was probably... I'd probably been saved about 10, 12 years. I'd never even heard of this before. Even though I was baptized in the Spirit, um, they encouraged me to start doing this. And the more I did it, the more revelation that came. This, I felt like I didn't succumb to the same kind of temptations. I, I didn't listen to the lies of the enemy like I too did before because my inner man, my mind, will, and emotions was strengthened. I feel like this is something if the body of Christ could really wrap their mind around, we would really, um, it would be helpful. Jude one twenty. I get there's only one chapter of Jude, but um, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, it's just praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your most holy faith, building up that inner man, building up your faith. That that's what praying in the Spirit does. So it strengthens your inner man, it builds up your faith. First um, Corinthians fourteen four, and I read this a little bit, uh, or, I, or I referred to it a bit ago, but I didn't read the whole thing. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to man. But he who speaks in a tongues edifies himself. Edifies means strengthen. If I, it strengthens yourself. Again, all this praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. We as believers need to become very, very strong. We need to come, become strong emotionally, in the word, in faith. That's when you can speak to the mountain and it's going to move. That's what we have to do. So I don't know where you guys are at on all of that, but I encourage you, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. I, it's, I, I guess I'm giving you my secret place thing here, but I, I pray in the Spirit a lot. I will find myself, in the, and it's not even just in the secret place, I do it all the time. We're supposed to pray continually, pray without ceasing. Th I think that's in First Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. 
I, I will have my shopping cart. This is one time, no lie, I was in Walmart, and I was praying in the spirit. I was getting some pictures developed. I thought, I'm going to run over here and get some, some groceries. And I started praying in the spirit, and I started feeling this overwhelming, almost like depression, anxiety. And so I started praying in the spirit more, praying in the spirit more, praying in the spirit more. And then I ran into some people from church, and, and then I, I left there. But as soon as I got my pictures, got my groceries, I went home, and, man, I just laid it out on the floor. And I just prayed in tongues for about 15, 20 minutes, maybe even longer than that. Later on, I ran back into those. I found out that that couple at our church, he, he was really dabbling in some naughty stuff. And, and, but God had just given me this. I felt it in the spiritual atmosphere of Walmart. He was a few aisles away, but God, God wanted to really bring release to this situation. Anyway. Just a, that's, for, that's food for thought. How about that? Um, I, again, praying all the time, um, praying in the spirit. There, and I have some manifestations of praying in the spirit, and we might just fill in the blanks of these. Um, manifestations of praying in the spirit, it really brings you to that place of awe and wonder of God. It really releases that spirit of revelation. Again, it's strengthened. It's being edified. That's the second bullet point, being strengthened or edified. The third bullet point is really... When we pray in the Spirit, it makes us more Christ-like, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. We become more Christ-like. We become, we, we carry the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and then I'm just going to, gosh, it's already 10 after. I really just want to go to, um, uh, does anybody have any questions for me before I go on? There's a, there's a praying in, in my natural mind. I'm, Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and dwell. God, I invite your glory to come and rest upon each person here. That would be praying in my natural understanding. I'm speaking in my natural voice. Praying in the spirit of whatever your spirit language sounds like. You know, there's a lot of times whoever you've been around in your prayer time, you will start to pick up some of the same tongues that they do. One of the things I want to encourage you to is I used to, I used to have just a very simple praying in the spirit, and it was just a little intercession. It was really all about intercession. It was praying on behalf of the Lord, interceding. But then the Lord began to give me a, a, a worshipful tongue. And wh what I'm saying is don't just stay with one. Ask God to give you more language. Ask him to give you greater language. Increase in your language. Because I, I don't believe that there's any limit to how much, how many languages you can speak in. And I know that there's been many, many. There's times that I, I know that I, when I warfare in the spirit, it sounds different than when I'm interceding in the spirit for somebody. It sounds different than when I'm worshiping in the spirit. So everything I say today, stretch yourself. Take yourself to that new place in the spirit. You know, when you're praying in the spirit, ask the Lord for new languages and and if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, with that evidence of praying in tongues, that's an AG thing. Um, a lot of times people feel a difference when they're prayed for, and they, they feel something different. Um, Acts chapter 19, over and over throughout the book of Acts, it talks about how, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know if I've received the Holy Spirit. What baptism have you received? It talks about what baptism you've received. Anyway, those all are just... It's continuously throughout the book of Acts, uh, really, which lays the foundation for the New Testament church. They prayed in tongues all the time, and there was fresh baptisms of tongues. 
over and over, even like um, Acts chapter 4. They were baptized in the Spirit on Acts chapter 2, but in Acts chapter 4, you know, they were all, you know, Peter and John, they had been put in jail. They were told never to speak in the name of Jesus and heal the sick again. They're like, I'm so glad that I just got persecuted. I can't stop praising God. And they all began to pray and worship God, and the place was shaken, and they all began to speak in another tongue again. It was a new, fresh baptism, a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Um, so if you've been prayed for and you feel like you haven't had that, that tongue come forth, I would say to you, prophesy. Because in Acts chapter 19, I don't have the exact verse there for but I know it's in Acts chapter 19. They were prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and some of them prophesied, and some of them prayed in another language. Um, I, I, I'm an AG person, so AG Assemblies of God. <laughs> and so I, 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 I know that that's, um, that, that's how we know that somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's an evidence. Like if you're a crime scene, this is an evidence of what happened. It's just an evidence that you're filled with the Spirit when you begin to speak in another tongue. But also prophecy is another part, another evidence that you're baptized in the Spirit when you read that according to Acts chapter 19. Um, what's his name? Robert Morris. Everybody familiar with Robert Morris Gateway Church in Texas? One of, probably one of the biggest churches in the country. He and his wife, they were young, and they were prayed for to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and his wife received right away. She's praying in tongues. She's praying in tongues. Nothing for him. And they said prophesy. And he could prophesy in a second. He could just, things that, gifts that he couldn't operate in before, he was able to operate in. And so he, um, it was a few weeks later, he, w- he wakes up, and his wife is laughing at him. And she said, he said, well, why are you laughing at me? And she said, because you've been praying in tongues in your sleep all night long. I couldn't even sleep because you've been praying in, your t- in tongues. And he said, so he just began to pray. And he said, God, why couldn't I? And if you listen to any of his preaching, you'll understand when I say how he said it. But uh, he said, God, why, why couldn't he? He says, because you were too stubborn, because I had to get through your thick head. You know, and I'm not saying, if you haven't received, I'm not saying that, that about you. But there's times that we've intellectualized things in our mind We've listened to things that other people have said. We've listened to things like, well, that's not for today, so you're, you're not going to receive. That's of the devil. And so we start questioning because it's way outside of our natural thinking to really allow ourselves to go there. And so um, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and if you want to, we can, I, I would gladly pray with you today when we're done. Um, does anybody, I, the la- I, before we wind up here today, I really want to talk about I really want to talk about um, the value of corporate prayer, and that would be session seven. Anybody got any questions for me before I go on any further? And I don't even know if there's any notes to that. Oh, maybe I should give you the fill in the blanks before I go. Maybe that would be easier. Session 7, does anybody have the page number for that? My page numbers are going to be different. Page 37. Yeah, it's, it's really the why of corporate prayer. That I'm going to give you what the fill-in-the-blanks are, and then we'll go back to the beginning. How about that? Um, that first one is invites, praying together invites his presence. Praying together brings answers to prayer. Praying together releases the flow of spiritual and prophetic gifts, healing, and deliverance. 
That one was, again, that's a long one. Releases. What was the second one? Brings answers to prayers. Praying together brings answers to prayer. Let me know when you're ready for the third one. Uh, The third one is it releases the flow of spiritual and prophetic gifts, healing, and deliverance. Um, It releases the flow of spiritual and prophetic gifts. I should have just gave you my notes, sorry. Healing and deliverance. We use this in a small group setting where there's this ongoing conversation. So um, the next one is praying together releases signs, wonders, and miracles. The next one is praying together releases the fire and power of God. The next one is praying together releases exponential power against the forces of darkness. Releases exponential power against the forces of darkness. The next one is praying together delivers nations and cities from destruction. The next one is praying together strengthens the Lord's body. And the last one is advancing, advances the missions movement. Praying together advances the missions movement. Let's see if you notice anything about corporate prayer. Okay, starting with verse 2, Luke 11, starting with verse 2. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our, our Father, it doesn't say my Father, it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, it doesn't say give me our daily bread, it says give us Day by day, our daily bread, forgive us our sins. For we, not me, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Corporate prayer. It's about, it's about our, it's about us, it's about we. It's all, when you pray, it's talking about corporate prayer. Um, we don't like to... We, Many churches used to have a midweek service, and it was a corporate prayer service. And I think we're probably the only church in Omaha that has that midweek corporate prayer service. And 
and I'm not just saying a church has to have it. We can have prayer gathering. There's such power when the believers come together in unity. Psalm 133. Let me see. I'm jumping ahead of myself again, but I'm really good at that. Psalm 133 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like the precious oil poured out on the, be- on the head, running down the beard, running onto Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon falling on the Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even um, his blessings, even life forevermore. When, when we come together in a corporate gathering and there's, a, there's an agreement in prayer, I don't even know if I'm going to get to all my notes, if there's an agreement in prayer, agreement means if I'm praying for, if I'm praying for your healing, if I'm praying for your healing and everybody else around here is agreeing with me, that, that power of agreement is really, it, it sounds like what they would say is the word s- a harmony or s- a symphony playing in true harmony. That's what it would sound like. And that's where God commands his blessing. There's true unity here. When you read the book of Acts, it says they were in unity in one accord and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were praying in a like-mindedness. They were praying in an agreement and there's where God poured out his spirit upon them. Psalm 133, that's where God commands the blessing that's where you see the answered prayer, corporately speaking, is when there's a true unity, when there's an agreement in prayer. I went to one of my first healing services I ever went to. This gal was diagnosed with breast cancer, and there was about 15 people invited to it, and it was at a Lutheran church, and she sat in the middle, and we all got around her, and the pastor looked at each one of us, and he said, do you agree that God can heal her? And if you didn't, if you had any doubt or unbelief, he said, you know what? I bless you in the name of Jesus, but we're going to only have, we want agreement in prayer in here. And so we would ask anybody to step outside. Um, when, I, when I'm leading a deliverance, I want my whole team to be in unity, that we're going after. This thing is going to be set free. If there's any doubts and unbelief that's going on, or, or I don't like that person, or whatever it may be, we can't be in complete unity, and God won't command the blessing there. And so that's why it's so important to pray in that unity, that one accord, that likeness of mind. Um, you know, there's times that I'll be leading a prayer meeting. I, I Wednesday morning, I'll have any about 15 people. That's usually the average attendance on a Wednesday morning. Everybody is in such tight unity. We could call fire down from heaven, and I believe it would happen. I mean, we've, we've seen such manifestations of the Spirit. On Wednesday night, there may be 250, 300 people, maybe a few more, a few less, just depending if it's a nice day outside and it's been rainy or snow, we may not have a good turnout. You know how it is. And so, um, but there's times that I feel like I'm going to be praying for revival in Nebraska, and I feel like I'm carrying a refrigerator on my back because nobody else is in unity with me. They're not going to that same place. If you're the prayer leader, you can feel it. If you're the one leading out in prayer, you can feel the resistance of, I don't know how else better to say that, but um, let's let's um, go back. I'll, I'll get to my notes now. Um, there's huge benefits of corporate prayer, and I, I think that we lack corporate prayer so much because, we, oh, we don't have time for that. I'm going to come and do a, a worship on Sunday. I'm going to get a message, but when it comes to corporate prayer, I re- that's not a huge investment for me. I'm just going back. Uh, this is not in the notes you're going to read, but praying together invites his presence. Uh, Matthew 18, 20, for where two are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. He loves coming in the midst of a gathering of people. Two or three people gathered in his name. We're worshiping, we're praising. He shows up there. It doesn't have to be a crowd of 300. I believe that my crowd of 15 on a Wednesday morning 
or this group right here, when you're in true unity, you're going to see more happen than if you had 1,500 come and, and praying. God loves to be in the midst of his people. Um, Hebrews 12.2, for he, Jesus, said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praises. Uh, he loves to be in the midst of it. He loves it when we sing his praises. That's what attracts his presence. That's what attracts him to come. Um, every time we gather together in his name, he, again, he's right there in the middle of us. There's times we'll use words like manifest presence. We'll have the manifest presence of God. Manifest just means he's showing himself. It's tangible. And that's, he wants to release that manifest presence. And that happens when we are, um, we're really coming together in unity and one accord. Uh, I don't know if this is in your notes, Second Chronicles 5. If it is, maybe you can read that later. It's just really about how Solomon was dedicating the temple. And when he was dedicating the temple, everybody was, well, page, okay, 39. They were praying together. They were worshiping together. They were following the lead of the leader, if you will. And fire came down from heaven. There was the, the glory of the Lord consumed them. The priests couldn't even get up. It was such a powerful, powerful time. I do, too. I do, too. That's... Um, you know, we always go to Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, da da da, da you know, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. But if you read Second Chronicles seven one, powerful. It says after Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord um, was revealed. And it, the glory was so thick that the priests could not even enter into the temple, and all could see it. All and all around could see it, and they bow down on the pavement. And I, I, that's, that's what I'm believing for the Church of America, Second Chronicles 7. I, I'm believing for 7.14, but I'm believing for Second Chronicles 7, 1 and 2. Maybe it's even 3, but it's, it's about the glory of the Lord. When they were all in this agreement, fire came down from heaven, and the glory of the Lord consumed the sacrifice. That sacrifice is our sacrifice of worship. It's an offering of worship and praise and adoration unto him. Um, when we come together in one heart, one mind, and one voice, there is a spirit of unity. Na the National Day of Prayer last year, the theme was unity. That's one of the messages. I, I did prayer meetings all over the state, and we really did. We talked about the spirit of unity, the spirit church coming together. Uh, ag again, unity means agreement, partnership. We're all on the same page. We're all praying the same thing. And, uh, and I'll just tell you, if from me, ha as somebody that leads... I can feel it if somebody's not in unity with me. You can feel the very, you can feel it when somebody's not going where, where you're going. We have this thing for about the last seven years. There's been 15, I think there was 18 churches involved. They'll come to our prayer room and we'll pray have 12 hours of continuous prayer. And it's like we started off in an AG church and then we'll have a Lutheran church come and then we'll have a Presbyterian church come and then we'll have over, over 12 hours. We just... It hosts the presence of God, and we have the whole community come. It's, it's been a wonderful thing over the last several years. Um, really like joining together in that unity. Uh, praying together brings answers to prayers. Uh, Matthew 18, 19, I tell you this, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. That's the New Living Translation. My Father in heaven will do it. Again, there's power in agreement. When there's two or more gathered, my Father will do it. He loves agreement. He loves it when we pray according to his will. It's so, uh, the one thing I didn't get to today, and I'm, so, I, 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 I'm apologizing because there's just so much that I'd want to impart to you guys today. 
Um, but it, th- there's just such power in agreement. And there's power in praying his word, too. Um, let's see. Praying together releases the flow of spiritual and prophetic gifts and healings. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Um, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church will be built up. You know, there's just, there's such power in everybody having their place and everybody taking their part. Every, there's one body, many parts. And we, we might be praying, but we're all praying, but we're pr- seeing things happen. And it, it just, um, one of the things that I like to do, again, on our Wednesday night prayer service, we have the capability of doing this, is when somebody's sick, I'll get their picture and I'll get it up on the screen. And we're praying in agreement. We're praying in one accord. We're praying toward about. We're praying the word of God over those people. And again, it just really, or even like the whole, um, the the flooding situation. <coughs> We've put pictures up of houses that are flooded, families that are suffering from the flood, and we we began to pray corporately over them. And we've we've seen people just miraculous breakthroughs come. What would you like me to do? You want to take question and answers? Um, I, I, I didn't even scratch the surface with you guys, so I can't. <coughs> we'll keep on going. Anybody have any questions for me? Nobody's confused about That's good. Nobody's confused about anything <laughs> I said. You know, um, I had mentioned this earlier, that I'm going to keep on going. Wave your hand if you've got a question for me. Um, there's healing in the presence of the Lord. Uh, when Jesus... He, he traveled in multitudes. These people had such incredible faith. They were following him, and they were hosting his presence. And there was, again, when there's, there's an atmosphere of prayer and worship and we're hosting his presence, there's two or more gathered. That's where we see healings. That's where we see things like that taking place. I don't jump in on a deliverance on my own. I have a team with me, and we're, we're not just, we're inviting God's presence. We're inviting his glory to come. We invite, have two to th- three to five people on a team. We're inviting his glory to come and release captives. We're inviting his go- him to come and be the deliverer. Um, let's see. Praying together releases signs and wonders. Uh, Acts chapter 3. Now, uh, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. I'm just going to stop right there. The, the New Testament church, they met together daily. Acts 2.42 they met together daily for the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, communion, and for prayer. They met together daily for prayer. What flowed out of that? Well, they were, they were headed up to the hour of prayer. And a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb, the, um, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple to ask for alms from whom he whom had entered the tab- temple. Ugh, my voice is... I'm tongue-tied, who has entered the temple. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received. Um, they, it was Peter and John together, and he was on his way to prayer, and he just said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you Jesus. I'm going to give you Jesus. It was two or more gathered together in my name, and healing was released to this man. Um, 
I have other notes written in here, but I'll leave that. Uh, Acts 13, 2, one day as these men's were, men were worshiping and fasting and the Holy Spirit said, dedicate, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them to do. It, you know, the, it brings commissioning. I don't even know if that's in your notes, but it brings commissioning to your calling. It's really, that's where t- uh, the gathering of prayer, that's what happened with Saul and Barnabas. There was a commissioning for people to be step out in ministry. There's, um, there's been times in our daily prayer services, we, d- we didn't know who was there among us, but we began to prophesy over one another only to find out, I remember this one specific woman, I began to prophesy over her and I said, I feel like God's calling you to ministry. And I, I had, I've known this gal for probably 15 years at this point. I had no idea she had felt called to min- ministry, but she, maybe I hadn't known her for 15, maybe 10 years and she had been called to ministry, but she always felt like, you know what, I should just be a waitress at a restaurant. That's where I belong. You know, that's my marketplace chaplain thing that, I, that I'm supposed to do. She never felt the worthiness. And again, it was that corporate commissioning, just like Saul and Barnabas. And, every, and then other people jumped in and said, I see this, and I see this. And we began to pray over her. She, um, she'll be ordained this time next year. So God has really just done incredible things. She's worked for marketplace chaplains. She started out doing two um, assisted living facilities from the marketplace chaplains and she's come up with three other ones since then just on her own where they invite her in to come and minister to people she shares the gospel all the time she's just she's like an evangelist out there but it came out of prayer that god just marking her releasing her again uh, marking that commissioning let's go to uh, praying together releases the fire and the power of god and this is Luke 12, 49. I don't know if it, this is in your notes. Jesus said, I have come to set the world on fire and how I wish it were already burning. What's this fire? He, um, he wants to purify with this fire. And, and it's, it, there's times that God wants to come as the refiner's fire and the launderer's soap. And it's really about really being cleansed and really being taken to that place of holiness. God can do that individually, but he does that so much better in a corporate setting. Um, we see fire coming down from heaven, Second Chronicles 6.40 um, through 7.3. I just had mentioned 7.3 a few minutes ago. And then also in 1 Kings 18, Elijah had finished praying and fire came down from heaven. We see Acts 2, 1 through 4, tongues of fire came and rested upon their head. Um, and then um, I guess I have Acts 4.31, but that's not about fire. But there's so many times that when God's power is released in a corporate setting, there's fire. There's the fire of his presence that released. And it's, 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 it's about refining. It's about purification. It's about holy. It's fire is a symbol of God's presence. It's a symbol. When you see a flame of fire, how many times have you seen? There's all kinds of symbols. Um, I think in the book of Acts, it, Acts 2, it says what looked like tongues of fire. It doesn't say it was tongues of fire, but what looked like tongues of fire resting upon their heads. And it was, that's, again, flames of fire is symbolic of, of God's spirit, his presence coming upon you. Let's see. Let me, uh, let me finish on this. Uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of wanting to go, go back to some of this. One of my favorite scriptures, I believe it's, is my word not like a fire? Is my word not like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces? 
And I, I feel like really knowing his word, declaring his word, speaking his word in prayer. I think it's Jeremiah uh, 27, 29, or 29, 27. But it is my word not like a fire that breaks the rocks to pieces. Is my word not like a hammer. Or is my word not like a fire. Is my word not like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces. Um, the last thing, and this is not in your notes. I didn't get to intercession or anything today. But I just want to talk to you about praying the word. Because that is really praying in that full agreement with the Lord. There's a lot of times uh, something that I have. So you're not going to find this in your notes. It's just This is just Chris talking now. But... Um, I am a pack rat. I'm a, let me pack all these things into my bag. So, um, when we pray the word, we're, we're in full agreement with the Lord. And a lot of times in my personal devotion time, this is something that I'll do. When I go to the hospital, I make a lot of hospital visits. Um, I hadn't made any in a few weeks, and I made six on Thursday. So that'll just give you an idea of, <laughs> of what I do. But um, when I go into the hospital, one of the first things I do is I cover myself with the blood of Jesus because there is an atmosphere there. There's an atmosphere of sickness. There's an atmosphere of death. There's an atmosphere of spirit of infirmity. So I, I want to be covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that there's a covering that's free. There's nothing, nothing in my notes. But when I go to pray for somebody that's going to go into a s for a surgery, somebody that's in the military, anything like that, uh, over my family, anything like that, I like to declare Psalm 91. And I'm just going to give you an idea of how I would pray the word over somebody. You, maybe you guys already know this, but I'm just going to read some of it, and then I'm going to pray it. Psalm 91. This was the psalm you were talking about earlier. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall hide under the shadow of the Almighty. Again, this, I'm not praying it right now. I'm going to tell you about it. He who dwells, and what that means is he who lives in the secret place. He who lives in the proximity of the Lord, he who lives, that's my new address. That's my address is the presence of God. He who dwells, he who actually lives there, that dwells means actually lives there in the, in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's such a nearness of the Lord there. And um, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the terror of the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at the noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no, uh, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For you, for he has given, he has, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, and the, you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So I would, um, so like a, a scripture like that, I would begin to pray something like this. God, I thank you 
I thank you that Terry dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I thank you that she's hidden under the shadow of the Almighty. God, I thank you that you are her refuge and her fortress. You're her God that she trusts in. God, I thank you that you protect her from every snare of the fowler and every perilous pestilence. I thank you that you hide her under your feathers and she's covered by your wings. I thank you, Father, that you are her shield and her buckler, that she's not afraid of any terror by night nor arrow that flies by day. God, I thank you that there's, there's no destruction at noonday for her. Father, I thank you, God, that a thousand are falling at her side and 10,000 all around her, but no harm is coming near her. God, I thank you, Father, that be, because she, Terry has made you her Lord and her refuge, um, that, that you are her dwelling place, that no evil will come near her, no plague will come near her dwelling. Her dwelling is her body. Um, for he, yes, for the Lord has, the Lord will give you angel, he'll give his angels charge over you, and he'll keep you in all of your ways. I mean, that's how I would pray something like this. Even the very last three verses, 14, 15, and 16, this is like God talking and praying a declaration. Because Terry has set her love upon me, therefore I will deliver her. I will set her on high because she has known my name. Terry can call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in any type of trouble. I will deliver Terry um, and honor her, and I will give her a long life and show her my salvation. You see how I just put thank yous in there? I put somebody's name in there. If somebody's going in for surgery, I would, I would begin to declare Psalm 91. God, I thank you. I thank you that John Doe dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I thank you that he hides under the shadow of the Almighty. God, I thank you that you're giving your angels charge over him. I thank you that he won't dash his foot against any stone. God, I thank you as he's asleep, no lion or cobra will come near him. It, that it just go on and begin to declare the promises of God in this. That because John Doe knows me by name, I'm going to reward him with long life. I'm going to reward him with my salvation. I'm going When he calls upon my name, I'm going to answer him. And so when we begin to make declare the promises of God over over people when they're they're sick or over situations we're again we're in that uh, that agreement that I keep talking about when we're in agreement with God when we're, we're in agreement with his word when we're praying his word that's the kind of prayer that he answers that partnership and that agreement um, there's been times that I've started to pray things and the Lord will stop me because I know in my head the right thing to pray but he'll begin to stop me and say just like with my daughter in the natural, I would pray, God, no permanent damage. God, I, I pray no permanent damage over her you know, as she has been away from the Lord, you know. And I sat in a courtroom a few times with her. I bet, you know, there was some things that I had to go take care of with her. A lot of painful things, but none of them were permanently on her record. Um, but there came a day that I was praying that, and the Lord said, you know what? It's time to take your hands off. Even though I knew all the right things to pray for her protection, I had to be in that agreement with the Lord. I had to take my hands off. And I, I wouldn't do that unless I knew that I knew that I knew God said to do it. Very, very careful. Because you know, I hear people say reckless things in prayer at times, but I have to be in that full agreement with where, what he said to do. And I knew he said to take my hands off. Um, that was... That was October, November of 2016. My, keep in mind, 10 years, my daughter really didn't talk to us, didn't have any relationship with us. And so fast forward to February of 2017, 2017, 2018. 
I don't know, I can't keep up. 20, okay, 2017, fall of 2017, February of 2018, he said, uh, my husband had a, he, he's an IT consultant and he was gonna have this project, he was gonna have this meeting at Disney World. He's like, you ought to go. I'm like, well, what do I do at Disney World? I'm not gonna go ride rides myself, you know? And so he said, we had to take a leash. I'm thinking, why would I take a leash? She doesn't even like me. She doesn't even know my name. She doesn't even know I exist. And so I prayed, and I was like, God, is this you? And he said, yes. And he, the Lord told me she would say yes. She would go. And so she went, and I felt like I was on a missions trip. It was painful. It was, it was agonizing. It was 24-7 prayer. I mean, she, we just didn't like each other. That's just I loved her, but we didn't like each other. So um, we, did have, we did have some good moments together. Got home from that trip. This is after the Lord had told me to take my hands off. Got home from that trip, and the Lord, that was, we got home like March 2nd. Later that week, the Lord said, your daughter's pregnant. Well, I just shared this room with her for the last week. She wasn't throwing up. She wasn't grouchier than normal. I mean, she was ugly anyway most of the time. Don't tell her I said that. But, you know, she just... You know, it, w it was Holy Spirit and the world clashing every time you would come together. And, and I w the, so the Lord said, she's pregnant. And I was like, oh, okay. Is that what you meant by taking your hands off? And so I said something to Clyde. I said, I believe the Lord told me she was pregnant. And he said, oh, no, no, that's not right. No, you don't, you, no, no, that's not right. And so this was beginning of March, later in March, I tell my friend, I said, I believe the Lord told me Alicia's pregnant. And, but by this time, the Lord had begun to already stir this agreement in prayer with him to pray for that child. To begin, I began to pray. This inner, again, this is all about being in agreement with the Lord. My flesh would have wanted to say, absolutely not. This is, this is not going to work. She, you know. Any, anyway, so the longer this went on, April went on. I tell another friend, I said, I believe Alicia's pregnant. And nobody says anything. God has given me such a, a burning inside of me for my grandchildren. I don't have any grandchildren. But all I could do is fast and pray, fast and pray over these children. And, um, and over this child she was carrying, which I didn't even know yet. And then um, I asked my son and daughter-in-law. I said, I believe Alicia's pregnant. This was the end of April. Did she say anything to you guys? Nope, she hasn't said anything to me. And so May goes by, beginning of June. Um, beginning of June, we are, I'm getting my hair done. She's a hairstylist. Getting my hair done, and my daughter-in-law is waiting to get her hair done. She says, well, since you're both here, she goes, I got something to tell you. Guess what she told me? I'm pregnant. And because the Lord, because I was in agreement with the Lord, I could respond well. Because that, that was such a defining moment. And when I say being in agreement with the Lord, it's because that wouldn't have been something in my natural mind I would have blown up and probably said all kinds of ugly things that I would have really regretted. But I responded well, and I said, children are a gift from the Lord. And I said, I'm so thankful. And I said, by the way, God told me. She goes, I knew you would know. <laughs> my kids are pretty convinced they can't get away with anything. Um, but anyway... I stood up, I'm crying, this big salon, I'm, it's all open, there's no little rooms. We're crying, I'm praying over this child. And really up to this point, I had no relationship with my daughter. And uh, so I left there, and you know, before I left, I said, can I be involved? And she said, absolutely. I went to every doctor's appointment, I was in the delivery room. Now I have this double portion blessing 
my granddaughter Scarlett. She is even, let me, let me just even back up a state. Fourth of July, I was writing down, just writing, and I, I wrote this child will. I was making a prophetic declaration. Um, that's when you decree a thing. When you decree a thing, um, it says in Job 22, 28, decree a thing and it shall be established. Decree is setting a law, setting an authority over those inferior things. And I was taking, a, uh, taking the role of the Lord here, taking a partnership with the Lord, that this child will be redemption for our family. She will be our double portion blessing that it talks about in Isaiah 61. And I'm sorry, I was writing it all in my journal. And, uh, and so my daughter, I said, well, what are you going to name this child? She goes, I want to name her Ryan. I always liked the name. We knew it was a girl. Well, I want to name want to name her Ryan. I said, well, your cousin's having twin boys in August, and one's going to be Michael, and one's going to be Ryan. And she's like, oh, man. So she comes back a few weeks later, and she goes, I'm going to name her Scarlett. My very first response was, and I, again, I handled it well, which if you knew me, that I, I was usually so but this is praying in the spirit. This is what praying in the spirit will do. He'll bring you revelation. He'll bring that strength into my inner man, how, how I respond to situations. And he, um, she said, I want to name her Scarlet. I said, that's an interesting name. And so I said, do you know what it means? And she says, no, I don't know what it means. I just like the name. I was like, okay. My daughter was still not walking with the Lord at the time. And so I looked up what the name Scarlet means. It means redemption. It means redemption. What I had written on the 4th of July, I find out in August, she is our piece of redemption, and so um, my husband wasn't excited about this whole situation, but and I'm not going to be grandpa daycare here and all this and that. Well, you know what? He was Mr. Driven, and now he cannot stop. All he wants to do is play with Scarlett. All he wants to do is go to the store and buy her gifts or take her to Chick-fil-A to play. But you know what I mean? It's, it's been this whole she has been, it, you know, as Joyce Meyer would say, it, and it, again, it's in Isaiah 61 about, you know, double for your shame, double for your, uh, you know, all of that. And I believe God has restored that. I, but again, it comes back to I had to agree with the Lord to say I'm taking my hands off. All of those prayers that I had prayed, no permanent damage. No, my, my granddaughter's not permanent damage. She is, she's a blessing from the Lord. And I just look at what God did. In the natural, I wouldn't have, this isn't how I would have picked things, but God knows his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And just really to come into agreement with that. And again, that comes from just spending time with him and, and talking to him and longing to know more of him and praying in the spirit and having that engagement and that communion and that intimacy with him that I've been talking about will really bring you to that place of really that effective and powerful prayer that I talked about this morning. Uh, there, you know, there, it's one thing to, hey, I know I got to be powerful and effective, but there's there's a lot of spending time in the sacred place. There's a lot of, I, I don't, I didn't build that relationship overnight with the Lord. It's taken 30 years. I just went over 30 years at March 12th. Um, I, I'll just even say this: I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Nobody in our church probably was baptized. There was one lady that was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the whole church. This is how powerful. Holy Spirit baptism is, and actually you look a lot like her. You almost look exactly like her. Her name was Athleen, and uh, Athleen would worship and pray in the Spirit, and this Valentine's Day, I was sitting right behind her. It was 2002. 2002, I was sitting, no, 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 92, 1992. My son was born in 91. This was 92. I was sitting right behind her, and all my friends were seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I was like, need that why do I need that I don't need that 
<laughs> I was sure I didn't need it. That was not for me. It was crazy. And so she's worshiping. She's praying. Next thing you know, I'm praying in a tongue, crying. I'm just, it was a love gift from the Lord for me because he knew what I was going to need later on. I don't think God, I don't think Holy Spirit forces himself on anyone, but he, he's going to give to will, people that are willing and he knows what you're going to need. So it is like five minutes to three. Anybody have any thoughts, comments, anything, questions, anything you want to hear about in the last five minutes? Okay. Yes. Let's do that. Anybody? anybody I don't want to talk anybody into this, but I'm going to tell you, it's as the Lord gave it to me on Valentine's Day, it is the absolute best gift that I've ever gotten from the Lord. And all of the other gifts, when we read in the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a strong belief. I can't say it's a thus saith the Lord that those gifts are released when you're baptized in the Spirit. It's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of faith, prophecy, um, tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, gifts of healing. And I know there's two more that I'm missing, but I'll come up with them in a second. <laughs> no, but if you guys, well, should we just kind of just come together here and let's end in prayer? And if anybody would like, and maybe it's just a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, or maybe it's something you want to think about, but I'm just going to say, let's, let's, just, let's just go after that for a few minutes if you want. Let's just, uh, yeah, let's just.